Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Speaking of Twitter, uh, between Twitter and uh, the 24-7 transfer portal tracker that will be providing most of our content uh, for this podcast. Uh, Going to give immediately a, a pre-warning. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but uh, Jordan and I are recording this quite late on Wednesday evening. Uh, no chance. Your, your boy Greek is going to get this produced and out tonight. Already know exactly what I'm up against uh, tomorrow on Thursday, which for most people will probably be today on Thursday the 14th, which is when this will get released. I'm, I'm busy tomorrow uh, all day. Good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, very busy at work. Very busy uh, with my personal life. That's part of the reason why we haven't had podcasts out. So sorry, people. Uh, until we start making the big bucks from the podcast, this the podcast will get delegated behind you know things such as my career and my family. Uh, but I will we will get this out as quick as I can sometime sometime uh, Thursday. Yeah, but if any of the if any of the listeners out there want to throw some big sponsorship dollars yes. at us and make this the career, I mean, I'm in. You can sign me up for that. But it might take a little bit to really right. do what you got to do there. So. Right. Um, so th- the reason we throw that out there is because there is a lot of happenings, which will be predominantly what this podcast uh, will be touching on. So if something busts, I guess it could happen late tonight, but probably more during the day on Thursday, and it's not a part of this podcast. Apologies, uh, but uh, just that's just how it's going to go. Because otherwise, it would have to be recorded late tomorrow, Thursday night. And I don't really want to do that. Then I, then I, we get this done tonight, which is fun. And then I, I then I only thing I have to do is produce it later in the day, Thursday. So I, I can handle that. But this is the potential that we have. So I would say this: we we are somehow increasing the chance that Iowa gets their offensive coordinator, or you know, Penn State gets their offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator hired simply because uh, of the gap, you know, like we'll probably hasten that somehow cosmically. Well, you know what's going to happen. We're going to finish this tonight, and then sure enough, right as soon as we hit stop, something will drop for one of those two, and they'll be like, why yep. did you put it on the pod? It's like, well, you know what? It is what yep. it is. Or a splashy quarterback, you know, signing uh. with one of these teams. So we'll touch on that eventually, you know, whenever that is, which is as good a time as any to bring out to, to tell our listeners the 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 schedule, I put that in, in air quotes because this is the fun of the off season. I think we could I think we could consider this. We are in the off season, right? Even though we've got football games left, right? Um, it's kind of like halftime, you know, or I guess the two minute warning. I guess is what yeah, you put two it. minute two minute or overtime would be another way go. to put that it. Works, yeah, you're yeah. you're there. So we I Jordan and I love we love a set schedule. And I think you and I did very well. I mean, it was every Sunday and Wednesday we banged it out. So, like, right? It's good to be on a schedule. Yep. Hey, I, I only missed the one. I felt like we were pretty good. Yep, we did. That, oh, that's right. I forgot about it. But we did really good. With that being said, this time of the year and moving forward pretty much all the way to the season, we kind of just record when we can and, and how it lines up. So I wish I could tell you when these podcasts will drop. I cannot. I will say this. The next podcast is probably going to be somewhat soon, 
And we are going to break down the first four, I think is how we're going to do it, bowl games. And then the That's next kind of pod- what we had hinted at, but we're yeah. still we're still working out details. So the, the next podcast would be the first, I, honestly, it could be four, five, or six bowl games that we break down. And then the last, the next podcast would be five, six, or, or uh, uh, five, four, or three bowl games that we will break down, which obviously the biggest one uh, involving the, the uh, Jordan's Michigan Wolverines and the, and the college football playoffs. So that game certainly will get the most attention. But listen here, I still love me some bowl games. So we will be breaking down the other bowl games, whether people want to have a pissy fit with that or not. Yeah, I mean this is still a Big Ten pod. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Big Ten mostly, but there's gonna be other games that you know we got to hit on because these bowl games are whether people like it or not. These bowl yes. games are fun. There's angles on these bowl games for the gambling degenerates. There's yes. angles to play in the gambling aspect of some of these games. If you know what you're looking for, there's some value yes. that you can hit on some of these of games course. at the right times. I I have seen a little bit of of I don't know if backlash is the right word, but like a movement for for the degenerates like me and you defending the Bulls because again, why do we not want more college football games? You know, like I I deal with all this BS we're gonna break down in this podcast so that I can st- stay in tune to the actual football contest. That that's what we have coming up. If you don't want to watch the R R plus L carriers bowl. Just don't turn it on. You know, like you that's gotta, your prerogative. You are yeah. more than this is. That's what this country is right. great. You can move on to basketball if you want to. That's, that's right. Is, that is your choice. Turn on a Christmas movie, which I want to ask you about in a second. So, but for for me, these are my last chances to to watch the sport of college football on my television screen. Perhaps put some shuckles on it and have some fun. That's 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 my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um. Christmas movies, not real quick here, but I just, I'm, I, this is what I'm curious on your strategy on watching Christmas movies. Well, number one, do you, do you enjoy and like some Christmas movies is the first thing I should ask. Some, some is the key word there. There yeah. are too many now, in my sure. opinion. Sure. So there are a few, there are a few that are staples that every single year at some point or another have to watch just, just have to. Yep. Home Alone would be one for me. Okay, Just Home Alone. Not a name. Yep. Like as a kid, I grew up liking that movie, so I still at least once or twice have to hit that one. Now, having kids myself who are at the age my daughter is into some of these other ones, and it's like, oh my god, yeah, I can only watch this movie so many times. So it gets to the point where it's it's kind of like the week of Christmas, we like binge them all, everything that we can, and then. Before and after that, it tries to be very sparing because it gets on. They get on my nerves after a while. Totally, yeah. You're and that's two things you're bringing up. You're bringing up kids' Christmas movies, the Christmas movies you like, and then by the way, by the way, the Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh God, that my no. wife honestly watches, and my wife does too. She had I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. She got into it bad with. Them. Oh yeah, she even admitted that it was bad. Like she said, I can't stop watching these. I'm like, huh. I always. <laughs> By the way, just to, just to speaking of the word degenerate, I've always thought, you know, if they could make one of the Hallmark Christmas movies with nudity, <laughs> tasteful. <laughs> I didn't. Did Jordan was taking a drink coming. of water when, but I, I'm just saying. Did not see that coming. You give me a a tasteful Lacey Chabert topless scene. 
I'm gonna be dialed in to that Hallmark movie with my <laughs> wife. I'm just saying there there's potential here that I feel like nobody's tapped into. It might, it that... might uh, deviate away from the whole Christmas idea of it a little bit that way, but hey, hey, I mean, it's it's all about love, right? That's all I'm talking <laughs> get, about here. Yeah, I'm talking it, about love. Um, <laughs> so and then so, but it's funny because there are three categories. There are like the the standard Christmas movies, the the wife Christmas movies, the kid Christmas movies, because the the Christmas movie that I want to see doesn't actually exist. Like I can't watch those. My wife's gonna watch those by herself. The kids ones, I can get into it for a little bit, but to sit there and watch them all evening, it's like kids have fun, you know, go go for it. But but my then I have my standards, which I think is the standards for a lot of people. Which by the way is going to lead perfectly into the next topic. Okay. Um, uh, huge, I'm a huge, uh, Christmas vacation fan at absolutely every single Christmas that is on my TV at one point. There's so many quotable lines from that movie. It's just, it's great. It just seems when he's putting up the lights and in his attic, man, I just absolutely, it makes me laugh every single time. I, I mean, it, it just has that power. Um, and the other part of it is every single person knows a Clark Griswold. Yep. There is a Clark Griswold in everybody's neighborhood. There is. I got some Clark in me a little bit, which we might touch on here. Uh, <laughs> Scrooged. I love Scrooged. The Bill Murray take on, you know. Uh, Been a while since I've seen that one, but it's a good take. Yeah. Phenomenal. And there's some other mixed in there. My wife loves Home Alone. You you two are closer to the same age. That might have something to do with it. I, I like Home, Home Alone, too. Um, hot take. Elf is fine. It's overrated, though, in my opinion. Ooh, you're going <laughs> to. My wife will be. Uh... She'll be upset with that one. That's one of her favorites. She loves some elf. She loves elf. Yeah. My daughter thinks it's funny too. So I don't dislike it. I I will yeah. elf will be on the viewing schedule. I I just don't I don't worship at the altar of elf like some people seem to do on Twitter and 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 seemingly your wife. So is it maybe because of she shares some affinity to elf? <laughs> oh, I am not touching that one. Yeah. <laughs> Nope, nah, inside, I'm that inside, inside joke there. Then, then, the stand, I'm, I'm killing Jordan today. Then, the standard, the absolute standard, the, the goaded Christmas movie is, and I'm, I'm curious, I'm so curious to see what your take is on this, is the old school Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The I believe it's 1964, you know, not claymation, but the dolls that they move. How do you feel about the old school Rudolph? So when I was younger, Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve that was on, like that was something that, that was we tradition. Home. You guys watched Rudolph on Christmas yeah, Eve. We watched every Christmas Eve. We watched phenomenal. It. Has somewhat, you know, in as into my adult life, Pat died down a little bit, but okay. it's still, it is a classic. It's anybody that has kids, it's a good movie to kick on because the kids can enjoy it. It's, uh, great. it's a great movie. Jordan, I already liked you, but now I I like you <laughs> even a little bit. Gain more. points. Gain yes, point, that man. is fantastic. Uh, I have. I have forced that Rudolph movie down the throats of my children. They were going to like and have that as part of tradition, whether they liked it or not, which now leads into my, my Christmas story that I want to tell. So I, I didn't tell you about this story, Jordan, because I want you to, you essentially are me telling this story to somebody and hopefully how this works out is, you know, the listeners will get a kick out of this story as I'm, as I'm telling it to you. So First, the first thing I ask people when I tell before I tell them the story is, "Are you familiar with the Rudolph?" So you've, you're already familiar with it, which is fantastic. Okay, so shout out to my guys 
Brian, Danimal, Ward. These are some of my best friends. Uh, they're all involved with the story. Our guy, Brian, who you actually know pretty well, he he helped usher some uh, bourbon into your into your dwelling. So okay. very grateful for that, by the yep. way. Yep. So Brian and I have known each other for, what, 14 years now, something like that. And so when we got hit, our wives are best friends. So when we got to know each other, we start, you know, exploring. Found sports right away. That's the first and foremost. But one of the things that we found is we both have a love for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the, the old school. So over the years, we text each other funny stuff and stupid things that have something to do with Rudolph. You know, it's just one of those things you do with your buddies and and, and whatnot. Okay. Now, fast forward to, to current times. About two weeks ago, uh, Brian sent a text to me and a couple of our buddies, Dan and Ward. And he said, guys, check it out. I got I got a giant 15-foot bumble that he put on his front yard and for <laughs> <laughs> and for the the uninitiated bumble is the yeti you know abominable snowman in the movie that yukon cornelius you know winds up befriending by the end of the movie and and whatnot so that's bumble the 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 big character in in rudolph who starts out as the bad guy but ends as the good guy of course so he sends this picture out and my initial feeling is like oh man that is awesome and then I pull Dan or Brian out of the text message and I text Dan and Ward. We stealing Bumble. We're, we're going <laughs> to steal Bumble <laughs> off his yard. And here's how the plan goes down. All of us and the wives and a couple other couples, we have a yearly Christmas party at, at my house. I, I cooked Bray short rib, which I have a feeling, Jordan, you would, you would absolutely love. We gotta like we play games. We do Find all this up. stuff. Yes, I can. I can send you the recipe. It's good stuff. Um, so we we play games. You know, it's just a it is a adults only fun night that we do. You know, once a year, usually right at the beginning of December. It's always a good good time. So how it went down is this: uh, Dan Ward and I gotten gotten my truck. We we met pre at a bar restaurant. You know, got everything planned out. You know, it goes dark at like 4.30 now, so it gets dark really quick. Yeah. So we, so obviously, unbeknownst to Brian, we meet, plan everything out, and we drive to his house about, it was about 7.30 on, on, when, on Thursday night before the Friday night party. And uh, so we park, we find a like quiet place. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a park area that's right around the corner from Brian's house. Um we had already pre-scouted with one of his neighbors that we're friendly with who sent us pictures on where Bumble was at. He alerted some of the other neighbors that it was going down, you know, that we were stealing. So but not, hey, you got, that's that's a good background. You got it. So that way the cops don't call. You don't see guys roaming around a house. Well, right. Okay. You know, still there's risks that you take in, in, oh, in a sure. situation like this. So uh, we, we, you know, we pull up, we've got that all pre-scouted by the way. He's got of other good Christmas decorations and light ups in front of his house where all the the uh, uh, windows are at. But the fifteen foot bumble was on the side of his house, you know, with one window. It it could it could not have been any better. So we he were was just, asking for it. He, he was asking like for it. Yeah, we were like, oh man, this is going to be so easy. So now we get in my truck. So some funny parts here. We all dress in black like we're ninjas or perfect cat burglars. You know, we want to be as undetectable as possible. 
some some lady with like her two kids right when we park is going door to door i think dropping off christmas presents for her neighbors so right as we get out she's walking around we get back in my truck but the dome light stays on so you can see us playing his, his day inside the truck and i look at brian and ward and they've got ski masks on so the only i'm like take those those ski masks off you know, people are going to think we're like straight up burglars here. And then she, one of the houses she went into had a Semperfly flag. And I'm like, oh, man, this dude's coming out with a shotgun and lighting our asses up. Uh, but she goes back in the door. We're like, OK, coast is clear. We get out. We sneak around the side. We go up to Bumble. Um, he pull like it's it's warm. It was unseasonably warm last week. The stakes come right out. It unplugs in two seconds. We are already on our way. The only issue was it will not deflate. I assume that thing would just <laughs> deflate. And so we are walking down the street with a 90% filled up bumble trying to like push on it to get the air to release. And we're giggling and laughing. A car pulls up and it's like a 35, 40 year old chick. And she stops because of course, who wouldn't when you're walking down the street? Sure. I'm curious. <laughs> And I put my hands up, not unlike how Bumble is shaped, actually. And I'm like, hey, hey, do you know? And I give, you know, Brian and, and his wife's name. She's like, yeah. I go, we're stealing Bumble. We're going to get it back, you know, the next couple days. They're good friends of ours. And she dies laughing. She's like, okay, good luck. So then we go around the corner. We get it to my truck. We find like a release valve at uh, at the end and and squish it down. Finally, get it in the back of my truck and we we hightail it out of there. So I went all the way home that night, set it up in my yard immediately. I was so excited on Thursday night, blew it up, staked it down. It was already in my yard and blown up by like 9.30. Um, so so then the weight was on. And here's the deal, though. These things are on timers. So they deflate, you know, in the middle of the night or whatever. So they just did not notice all day long that Bumble had already been gone. So it's like four o'clock right it's like an hour and a half before the the party starts <laughs> they finally see that bumble is gone so he he puts out a facebook post a community facebook post like heads up <laughs> somebody's somebody's going around stealing long decorations be careful now half the people that are in this group they already know that it, it's been pre-planned so they're giggling and putting cryptic message back to him so we're reading these we are getting a, a, you know, like dying laughing. And then finally, Brian and his beautiful wife show up at our party at my house. Everybody's already there sitting outside. And he turns the corner and in his, in his car and he sees the 15 foot blown up bumble on our front yard. It was, it was fantastic. It couldn't have gone down any better than it did. I was going to say, it sounds like as far as plans go, it worked almost to perfection. I mean, that would have been priceless. The look on his face had to be worth every ounce of effort that was put into that because that that that's excellent. And that just shows where, you know, a good harmless prank that's is right. always fun. So much fun. a little fun. too uptight in this world. I, I agree. And, things like that, that's what that's good friends are for. 100%. And shout out to Brian. He is absolutely the perfect person to prank why because he's laid back and he's got a great sense of humor so I, I you know like it sucks because essentially that makes him a perfect you know, target to do something like this but anyways he was a good sport so his wife that's that's some fun stuff so there you go what'd you think of that uh, 
I like it. All right. That's great. That is excellent. Okay. And then I got a quick one for you. One one more here since we're on funny story. Just last night, I am pulling out of my cul-de-sac to go get my kids. Okay. Already dark, right? It's crazy because it gets so dark. And as I'm pulling out, um, I, I see something. It looks like a Christmas tree running down the street. And what it is is a jogger that's got like, have you ever seen it where it's not just the headband, like it's their whole torso that has lights to it. Yeah, so it lights up. Yeah. Okay, so to make them safe, which obviously I support sure. everything like that. And it must have been a setting on it <laughs> that to make it Christmas colors because he was red and green, like from torso to head, red and green. I It just took me a second. I'm like, what the hell? So I take a right. I pass, I pass him. I get about a half mile and I realize I, I forgot my phone. So I stop and I come back. So as I'm driving back, I'm like, all right, I want to get some eyeballs on this on this jogger again. Like, did I really see what I thought I saw? And I can't really see him. And I realize he's behind a tree, hiding and taking a deuce. <laughs> like, oh my god, dude, I'm serious. <laughs> or or it was a chick and she was just popping a squat. I I don't know, but I saw. I saw nothing but Christmas lights and bare ass behind. The lights the were still on. Yes. Didn't even try to turn the lights off to hide yourself. Exactly. Like he or she did not. If for me, must have been an emergency. Must have been yes. an emergency. <laughs> we we don't got time for this, so we're just popping and going. We gotta go. Because if it's me and, and I'm gonna pop a squat, which you know, or 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 deuce. I'm gonna take the lights off, you know. Like, or, I, yeah, yeah. If I'm uh -huh. a girl popping a squat or a dude deucing, I'm I'm taking the Christmas tree lights off. Whatever of we can do to off. get as much attention off me as possible. I don't need people looking over. Exactly. Here. Oh man, can't make that stuff up, man. That's just stuff that happens. Hopefully, people get a nice giggle out of it. Speaking of uh, drama, uh, our guy Herbie. All right, as we transition awkwardly into actual college football stuff, our guy Herbie was was on one uh, today. And, and the so the what it is is if people don't know, I would think most people listening to this pod would know. Herbie has been champion Alabama to be in the college football playoffs over Florida State before it was even announced that that's how it was going to go down. Even though he had Florida State ranked in front of Alabama weeks and weeks in front of that, you know we're just going to forget that since. The rankings came out, which obviously had Florida State out and Alabama in at four. He has been just crazy defending Alabama being in. Fans on Twitter have not, you know, taken it easy on him. And by the way, I looked up, I don't know if you did, but I looked up the person that replied to him because it was, by the way, a tweet by Herb Street about his dog. He keeps putting tweets out and videos with his dog. If I'm being cynical, it's a PR move to try oh, to, yeah, right, yeah, to try to, <laughs> yeah, okay, it's it's not like well, it's and not... the the conspiracy theory behind the dog stuff is because they Herb Street's always been kind of the villain side of game day. Now they're trying to make him turn face and be the baby face of the crew now because Corso doing his whole thing. That's yeah. the theory behind why he's doing it, but it it's almost to the point now where it's just it feels fake. Yeah. And I'm not saying the guy doesn't love his dog, and but let's be honest, the e one of the easiest things to throw out there that is universally loved by everybody is is dogs. So it just seems like then easy of a target as can be. So he puts out that video 
somebody with it, I looked it up, 200 followers replied to him and said, I, that's great. I love your dog. But like, you know, what's the deal with you ranking, you know, being so hard about Alabama being ranked in front of Florida State? Herbie responds with like a 350, 400 word scathing, you know, uh, reply about why Florida State shouldn't be in over Alabama and how Alabama is obviously the better team. It's been a little weird situation with Herbie with this stuff. He, uh, and it was a little deranged. Like his response, it's one giant run on sentence for anybody that's looking at it. And if you know, a lot of times when you see these, these Twitter things, they're kind of threaded. Yes. And you, you put a chunk and then you take a breath and you breathe yes. for a second and then you put another chunk. No, he just was mashing keys and deciding I'm going to throw all of this into one giant word vomit. Yes. Which kind of gets hard to follow at times. It, it does. I'm going to, I'm going to steal your line here. Me thinks maybe he had a little bourbon in him at the time of, it could be. Maybe he got into the Amador. Yeah, yeah. Feels like this was a little bit. Somebody touched a nerve, and with what the, with the guy who made the the comment on his post, it wasn't anything. It wasn't crazy. that bad. It really wasn't. It, I think he's. I mean, Kirk's been getting attacked because he's been one of the loudest mouthpieces about this whole best best team versus most deserving team. Mm-hmm. He's been getting attacked by a lot of people. I think he finally met his breaking point, and we saw it maybe. all in one giant word salad. And he he can't really use anything other than what he thinks is correct. Because one of my favorite sayings is, you don't know that. You just think you know that. We do not know if Alabama would beat Florida State in a head-to-head matchup currently, you know, how the teams are. People just think they know that's how it will go. People were extremely convinced that Oregon was going to beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship to the tune of being nearly 10-point underdogs. That didn't happen, though. Washington almost beat them by 10 points, folks. I, it's you know, college that, football. Yeah. Like, this happens every single time. Like it's there's There is a favorite, many times a double-digit favorite, that loses virtually every single week. Right. So it's... it's I don't know. We talked about it a little bit when the playoff ranking came out. I, you won't convince me anything other than the SEC needed a team in, and this is what they were going to do. There you go. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but what it is is kind of a big deal. We can't talk all the way through this, but it, the more I've thought about it, a lot of the initial feelings I've had, you've had, Big Kurt have had, is accurate, which is this This is a money grab for, for the TV. They want Alabama in over Florida State. It's a ABC Disney thing versus Fox. Like this was things being negotiated in dark rooms for what they want the outcome to be, which is adding to the extreme frustration that so many college football fans have with this progress and why it's 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 disenfranchising so many people on how we feel about this. Well, and people are using the argument that ESPN has controlling stake of the ACC, so Florida State would give them the same revenue. And, and it's, no, come on now, <laughs> Florida State's a good brand, but Alabama's the brand. Yes. Like the amount of the amount of revenue that Disney in general needs, because let's face it, they're swirling down Dragon. the toilet with all mm-hmm. of everything going on with them. Yep. The amount of extra revenue they get from just the name Alabama versus Michigan. The revenue alone they're going to get from that game, even if Alabama loses that game, they're good. 
They, yes. they have gotten everything they need from that game alone to make up with the, what they had to have. Agree. Uh, you know, as deep state as you want to get, you, you could be in a unique situation where the refs aren't favoring your team in that game. It's, you know, usually you're on the other side of the ledger, Jordan. I don't know. In that game, it'll be something that you'll keep an eye on. But this is what happens when this is the shit that gets shoved down our throat. Now, and it's not, I don't think it makes us a conspiracy theorist to try to make the connections between Herbie and ESPN and Alabama. It's just, they're well, all it's not right hard. there. No, it's not. And I, my guess is a lot of the theories that we have are probably either not there or overstated, but not all of them. Some of these things that, that fans like me and you are picking out are accurate and we have a reason to be ticked off. And this is, this is obviously one of them. Yep. I mean, we don't, and we don't have the giant platform to voice all of our concerns. We have Twitter and that's right. That's all we have that's it. To, to get it out there. These guys have a camera in front of their face so they can say whatever they want. And then the yes. Pete fine bombs of the world go out there and just continue to, to yep. fawn over Alabama and Nick Saban and make the rest of the world nauseous watching him talk. Speaking of Saban, that shit eating grin he had when they interviewed him. The Oh man. I like, I don't blame him. I would have had the same grin on my face if I was him, but it was, yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if this Florida legal stuff, if they're able to get any, there's rumors they're trying to subpoena phone records. Like they're trying okay. to get there. They want to know what conversations were had because we don't think this was fair. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Cause anybody that knows the state of Florida, they kind of do what they, they want politically down there. <laughs> so, and I put that in our text group where I'm like, this isn't a nothing burger that this no. is being like, and somebody suggested that the reason Herbie snapped is because maybe he did get his subpoena. He got in the his subpoena. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, and, and he's, and he's pissed that I honestly, it's again, it's not a crazy theory that that's how it went down. And I, and again, I, I do not think it's a nothing burger that that, that stuff is going to go down. Do I think it's going to change? Who, who the teams are in the college football playoff. Of course not. That is set, but it will hopefully put some pressure on these people moving forward. Because even though we are going from four to 12 next year, there are still going to be issues and power grabs with the committee as it relates to those top 12 teams. So that's, that's one thing I would point out. And then, and then finally, unless you got something to add, is it, if you really want to go deep into College football playoff, college football in general, conspiracy theories. Jordan, if we are going to go from four teams to 12, wouldn't the best way this be scripted out is that the last year of four teams is our most violent year, you know, controversial year of coming down from four to five or six teams, The you know, oh, yeah, the last that, two or three teams in? That's part of the talking point is people say, well, now you've set a precedent. And it's like, well, no, they haven't because they're going away from four teams now. So you don't set this... any precedent when the amount of teams changes next year. So you can do whatever the hell you want again next year. It doesn't matter because this format is gone. Right. But now you are seeing all of these people saying, well, this is now obviously we need to go to 12 teams because look at the mess it is having just these four teams. It's almost like. It was predetermined a long time ago that we were going to have four, five, or six teams that were going to be at the end. Shocking, Jordan. We've never had three undefeated teams at the end like this. It's always almost typically been one. 
and then a pick between one loss teams. Magically, in the last year of the college football playoff, we have three undefeated teams, three different conferences, a couple one loss teams. Hey, and I also need to take a second. I got I got to pat myself on the back here for a minute. I guess not really, but kind of. I was at the beginning of the year. I put a tweet out that my hot take for the season was that no team with a first year quarterback would make the playoffs. Had Florida State made the playoffs, I think that technically I was still going to be right because all four teams in the playoff this year would have had returning quarterbacks. Even though Jordan Travis was hurt and couldn't play, they would have made the playoffs with him. So I'm I'm still giving myself 95%. Yeah, I'm going to give you because I'm going to give you a 4.5 out of five stars for for a rating on that. That's pretty good. I got blown up for that. People are like, "Oh, you're crazy. What about Georgia? What about Alabama? What about Ohio State?" I'm like, "Exactly. You're I'm I stand on what I said." Hey, I don't mind patting self on back when the back pat is deserved. That's that that's a good one right there. You were you were darn close. Another person that gets semi screwed with the decision of the college football playoff. Game. I need my flowers, damn it. Yeah. What one positive note I would say is, I the unif the uniformity of college football fans and writers on this topic has been refreshing. In that I haven't gotten a whiff of bowing at you know, the, the, the power that is the sec guys on the athletic on, you know, just tons, you know, freelance writers and people that follow college football, all of them have pretty, we've all been pretty much uniformly together that we're pissed. Alabama got in or Florida state. It's, it's rare that college football fans can come together on anything. This, this one has, has been one of those, that one little section of the country. Yes. Yes. One small part down there. But I think there's some other SEC fans that are annoyed at Alabama because they're probably. tired of seeing. They're tired of seeing. Yep. Yep. There's some of them. A little bit of that section. So, all right. Yep. That brings us to the next section. But hey, before we go to that, let's uh, let's throw a shout out to Amador, uh, a beverage that my guess is me and you will probably be enjoying a little bit over the next couple of weeks as we get through the, the Christmas season. The Eyes on Big Podcast, sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company, our unique process, takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall in game. The Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, this will now be a somewhat rapid-fire section on each team we're going to go through all 14 big 10 teams as of now we are still focusing on the 14 okay you go into 20 season's not over yet season's not over yet you go into 24 7 it kind of took me back where i'm clicking through the big 10 teams and they already have the incoming four teams in there i am not emotionally ready for that right now just want to say so we will just be focusing on the 14 teams this is our our tp and happenings section i don't know we have maybe come up with something fun on how we we call this stuff but it's it's housekeeping it's tp it's all it's all the fun stuff that that we we get to talk through um precursor we're we're not going to name every single human that has got <laughs> in the transfer we don't have that much time and it would be bad podcasting so we're going to try to touch on the ones uh that that kind of pop out the most shout out to uh, a, a lot of the, the insiders that I work with, I will hopefully do a decent job because they helped me out, uh, you know, with a lot of this information. Because what I want to get, Jordan, is what what people on the outside might see as a big loss. Sometimes fans on the inside are like, you know, he wasn't that good. Now, fans on the inside also sometimes have a romanticized view 
on who they don't need and who they want. You know, just just going to throw that out there, but I'm trying to blend the two uh, as best I can. So these are going to be in alphabetical order. First one up, the Illinois Fighting Illini. There's honestly not much going on here. Uh, the names that probably are most re- uh, recognizable are Reggie Love. Uh, he's out, out in a boot, but we have not had any place to for him to land just yet. And then quarterback Tavon Nicholson went to Ole Miss. So that's quite the the portaling right there to go from um, Illinois to to an SEC team. I did talk to Kurt about Tavon Nicholson. I'm not saying that Kurt's like peace and don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out, but I don't I don't think Tavon's play was exact exactly exemplary this this year. So no huge losses so far for Beetle in the transfer portal. Yeah, I think more fans, if you asked, if you had to pull them between the two that we'd mentioned there, I think Reggie Love's probably the one they're more like, mm-hmm. ah, I'd rather, rather keep him. Interesting for the Reggie Love, too. He's from the St. Louis area. You wonder if Missouri is a spot that he looks at. You know, they yeah. kind of resurgent a little bit. I haven't heard a whole lot with his name, but that's a good player. So Some people think, I, I, I'll forget to say this when I get down to Purdue, so he is apparently showing interest in Purdue. So we might still be talking about Boy, Reggie would- Love. Yeah. That would sting a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there, you got a connection there, right? Because we're going from Illinois to Ryan Walters, who was obviously the, the coach last year. So I would say this. I, I think Beetle and the staff would probably want to get active on bringing dudes in. Haven't seen much yet, but I would expect something's going to happen here in a little bit. Next game or next team up, excuse me. Again, alphabetical order, the Indiana Hoosiers. We got some losses here that I think is worth talking through. Um, running back Jalen Lucas. Not your everyday stalwart running back, but good running back, at least at the very adept guy. Rumored to Minnesota, but haven't seen any any landing spot for him. Safety, Philip Dunham. And then wide receiver, Cam Camper. This guy that's caught some balls in Big Ten play, made some plays. The guy that I think is one of the bigger grabs or headliners in all of this is wide receiver Donovan McCauley. That is a uh, that is a good get for whoever could potentially pull him out of the transfer portal. Yeah, that was the name in the Michigan circles. They've we've started to hear a little bit. They've started to show interest there. That's a bigger body receiver, so you you know a lot of teams have gone more to that small slot type. So you get a McCauley that goes good on that outside. That that's a name that Michigan's talked about. That's going to be a good land wherever he goes. He's a good player. I like I I know that there's there's some of these. Guys, when you talk to the fans, they're like, ah, it's not a big loss. I've kind of got that sense from Indiana fans. I'm telling you, this this is a big loss. This is a guy me and you have talked about multiple times this past year that we were we were um, uh, impressed with what he did. Somebody's going to be happy. If, if he fits in the system and has a good quarterback and OC, somebody's going to be happy with, with Donovan McCauley. Yeah, another interesting piece with Indiana, I thought like, basically their entire offensive line is yes. gone now. Yes. So, and a couple to Colorado, which I don't know. I guess yep. fire beware there if you're going out to Colorado. We've seen all the yeah stuff going on out that way, but I don't know. We'll see about that. All right, moving into the next team. This one's got there's some fun stuff that we could talk about here, and that's my Iowa Hawkeyes. So, not a ton of TP movement here. Um, wide receiver Deontay Vines. Iowa fans are just ah, you know, peace and love. You know, don't let the door hit you. He dropped a lot of balls and didn't stay healthy. Okay, that's the truth. But I, I'm bummed out that he didn't work out. I honestly had, you know, I had good thoughts for Deontay Vines going into the. I'm just more sad it didn't work out. 
Defensive tackle Ontario Thompson had a couple blocks on special teams. He was young. I thought he was going to develop into a player for us on the D-line. So I'm holding out a little bit hope that he will portal back uh, if he maybe sees that things aren't as great. That's a, he's a local, kind of local area kid too, isn't he? Kind of, yeah. He was at Iowa Western Juco before. That's kind of the route he took. So um, if it doesn't work out, good luck. Uh, I'd be open to him coming back. I saw some talent there. So, so, something that's, you know, always interesting is quarterbacks. So Joey Labas, uh, who was a practice and scrimmage warrior, you know, like Iowa fans heard great things that he did, never saw the field. I mean, everybody knew Joey Labas was going to be in the transfer portal before we even got out of October. I, like, my brother and I were talking, and I'm sure you're the same way. Everybody leaving your team is interesting where they land, and then especially how they look when they get there. Quarterbacks are especially interesting you know i hate to admit it you know like you got to give quarterbacks their love here i'm very i'm very excited to see where joy labis goes and then if he has success there because if he does it's going to tick off a lot of hawkeye fans on why the guy never saw the field the past couple years well so and something that 24 7 sports does is they re-rate all these players when they go into the tp he's still rated as a four-star player going into the portal so i that's interesting because not a whole lot of game tape to to go off of so maybe that's just a, hey, we're just going to kind of leave him somewhere to where yeah. we had him in initial rankings but still that's interesting to me by the way the the game tape is out there is a few attempts in the bowl game last year right. and then and then practice tape and people are fawning all over his practice tape folks you could cut up my practice tape at Iowa. And believe it or not, I'd have a couple good plays in there. That don't make me a stud at the next place you potentially go. So don't read too much into that. But I do think the guy has talent and was underutilized. It'll be interesting. The other thing you brought up that was really, that was really you know a great point that I wish I would have thought about saying before we get into the section is the whole rating system of these players is something I call it a question because if you were a five-star quarterback – and you've played sparingly and maybe didn't look amazing and didn't become the true stud starter at your school, are you really a five-star quarterback anymore? I, I mean, it's. I feel like this is a whole new rating system that has yet to be honed in. I don't know. We'll see how that stuff goes. Fair enough? Yeah, it's. I mean, the whole transfer portal thing is new in itself, so it's all adapting. So the, the most interesting part, involved with the Iowa Hawkeyes. I always get self-conscious that I'm going too deep into my own team, but I do think this is a hot button topic that people are finding interesting is again, as we record this Wednesday night, we do not know yet who the new offensive coordinator will be for Iowa. If you really want to deep dive on my thoughts, go check my Twitter page. I, I had a long thread that had gaps and periods and things in it. I'd like to point out. And I broke down my thoughts on why it's quote-unquote taking so long, which basically comes down to it's Kirk Ferentz. This is how he does things. The season just ended in Indianapolis, you know, that that Saturday night, and then they moved on to the offensive coordinator stuff. To use a Kirk Ferentz term, you can't microwave this process. I want him to, to, you know, actually interview the guys and get a good feel for them because fit and feel for how the, the new offensive coordinator comes into this staff it's just something I swear fans, they just, it's like hiring an offensive coordinator on Madden. You know, you, you just pick a guy and you move on. It's, oh, yeah, look at that. That looks good. Push A. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what people think sometimes. And I applaud K 
KF and his I don't give a bleep attitude where he's going to do this exactly how he wants to do it and hire the right guy. So go for it, coach. I, I love it. Um, as far as the candidates, the one that has been there from the beginning and it still has legs is former offensive coordinator slash head coach at Wisconsin, Paul Crist. Quick thoughts. What do you, uh, you know, I, you're, you're more of a neutral person. Thoughts, Paul Crist, Iowa's offensive coordinator. I, okay. Paul Crist as a coach and a play caller and what he is, I think it's a, I, I like it. That's a, I think he's a good quarterbacks coach. I think he's a good play caller. Am I ready to have more Paul Chris press conferences where I feel like I'm falling asleep listening to him talk because he just kind of keeps going like this and yeah. then eventually falls? And I'm not really ready for that. But as far as his football, it could be a good fit. Like okay. I do. The good news. The interesting part to me would be how him and KF work together because you're going to have a former chief with mm-hmm. the chief. Like uh-huh. that, you for sure. And get a little bit of clashing there. So that would be the interesting piece. I mean, the egos is a big part of this, you know, for the next guy coming in along with fit and everything like that. Uh, I would say like Iowa did a lot of pin and pull hat on hat blocking, which was a staple of, of, of Paul Chris offense. So for me, it's like, let's just bring in some updated, you know, passing schemes that Paul Chris can do that and be more of a quarterback whisperer. So I I'm, I'm, I'm more open to it now than I used to be. Another guy you might not be that familiar with is Joe Philbin. He was actually at Iowa when I was there uh, he's been in the NFL most recently. Very organized, very intelligent dude. I would be open to that. One that I think you are interested in that I've thrown out there is is former offensive coordinator and Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. But what, what do you think of that? This one goes even more into can the egos yeah. get pushed out of the way? Because we know Scott Frost has an ego. The dude, that th- that is well known. But having said that, when he was at Nebraska, his offenses were good. They were dynamic. There was there was a lot of creativity in it, and it was it wasn't this up tempo, fast pace, throw it all over the place that would drive a DC like Parker had. It was a good, balanced, running based offense. He just sucked as a CEO. Like he, I mean, call it what it mm-hmm. was. He he couldn't be the head guy. So, but I I think that egos there would be way too much. But as far as the scheme, I think the scheme would be great for what they're looking at. Yeah, I, I would say, I don't know if it's as much ego as it is just like not the fit. You know, like everything with Iowa football is tough minded. Like it still needs to be a defensive special teams led team. Uh, so the the more finesse and looseness, shall we say, with the football, never going to fly with KF uh it's not happening, folks. Like I, it's just fun to talk about. Is basically how it is. But you know that that that's not going to happen. The last one that's getting a lot of smoke here is Utah uh, offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig. Um, listen, I'd I'd be happy with a lot of these guys, but uh, Andy Ludwig would be would would be incredible um, to to pull him away from Kyle Whittingham. Maybe Kyle Whittingham is getting even closer to KF to retirement. KF, you know, getting rumored for that stuff too. I mean, in my mind, KF's not going anywhere. So. Andy Ludwig would be incredible. The thing that gets my nips hard with him is that he loves to utilize mobile quarterbacks, which is what I think we've been severely missing. The the throw game would be, you know, updated. We we that would be incredible. I'm not saying that's, you know, exactly who I want, that I'm not going to be happy with anybody else, but that would be a heck of a get for for Iowa. Well, and fans would remember Andy Ludwig's name because he was the guy that was like basically signed, sealed, and delivered to Notre Dame last mm-hmm. year. And then mm-hmm. 
the yep. money well, or whatever, we don't whatever know. weird Notre Dame thing happened there and that went away. But he was the guy that Notre Dame was set to hire last yep. year. Yep. So there's more names out there, but here's my take. People can act like they know what's going down and all oh, this guy's getting interviewed today and this guy's a candidate. I don't buy it. <laughs> I, I think the amount of people that actually know who's getting hired outside it is about enough people that could sit at this table with me, but that's just exactly. my personal belief. All right, moving on. Next up, uh, alphabetic order again, the Maryland Terrapins. They've lost some stuff, but they lost some quarterback depth. Demarcus Cooley to NC State and another guy, Corey Coley. So we got a Cooley and a Coley uh, that are in the transfer portal. Probably names that most people uh, that listen to this podcast. Tight end Corey Deiches. I, I, I mean, that's a that's a guy. That's a that's a dude. So going to be interesting to see where he lands. I think I've heard some smoke about Alabama sniffing around there. Okay, so that's my point. If that's the case, people see the talent. That guy's that yeah. guy's freaking good. So that's Absolutely. a loss. That's that's difficult. Running back Ramon Brown, when he had his chances to pop, he's he's good. You know, he's not every day back, but he's somebody that would fit in great on another roster. Um, in is Josh Kaltenberger from Purdue. So inside offensive linemen, Maryland are happy with that. But the biggest one uh, is going to benefit the guy I'm recording with, linebacker Jay Sean Barnum to Michigan. You prick. You, you took probably the best player off Terrapin's roster. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I will say it's not official. Okay. Yeah, like it has, oh, it's there's, not. No, there's no commitment uh, okay. yet. It, there's crystal balls coming in, and the Michigan insiders have kind of hinted at it. But it's not official yet. But maybe maybe by the time this this pod posts on Thursday, maybe it will be. But okay. as of right now, it is not official. But I'm happy about it because yeah, there's a chance course. we lose both starting linebackers. So to get a guy of that talent, I'm absolutely going to take that. And then one other name for the Maryland Terrapins that very recently, like right before we hit go on this, which I think is a huge one for Terps fans, MJ Morris from NC State. Coincidentally, they sent mm-hmm. two players there. It's kind of yeah. like a two-for-one trade. We <laughs> traded a Cooley and a Coley. They get MJ Morris from the Wolfpack. I think that's a good a good move for them. Obviously, with Leah moving on, there's there's a gap. I mean, obviously, we have Billy Edwards there, but you bring in that competition. MJ Morris is a talented player. NC State season turned around once he's in more. So interested in that. I think that's a big get for the Terps. Huge, huge get for the Terps. They do have some more holes to fill. We're in the process right now where more guys are out than have portaled in, but there's going to be action. And my guess is Maryland. They're going to, they're going to start getting some some guys in. That'll be interesting to see. Next up, Locks is a recruiter. He's going to get guys. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know what their nil deal is, but me thinks Locks figures out a way for cash to be available for for guys that he wants to get in. Um, Michigan Wolverines. Ain't shit going on. You want to know why? Because they got a college football playoff game coming up, and most guys aren't going to portal out and do something crazy when you got that. I mean, C.J. Stokes is that wide receiver, right? No, he's a running back. He would have been. Back. He was supposed to be the the spare this year, but okay. he got hurt early on. Played a little bit as a true freshman. Got good talent. Just okay. he got hurt most of this year and kind of got buried on the depth chart. He's See, a good player. Just, he's going to make somebody happy. See, that's just to me. I, I don't. I don't know the story. Okay, but you know. Unless he was "quote unquote" forced out, I don't know why wouldn't you just stay and get healthy and you're at Michigan. I, he I has a, he would come into next year with a legitimate shot to be RB two if Donovan Edwards doesn't come back. So I mean, weird. That's just I don't know. That's that's to me. Who am I? I'm an old man, but 
that's a young guy making a young mistake. So I, I wish nothing but the best for him. If it, I hope it winds up being. He's from South him, Carolina, but... so he might go back that way towards okay. home. But he's a good player. Not liking the winners that uh, in Michigan, I guess maybe. <laughs> Next team up, Michigan State. If you are listening to this podcast, there is a chance uh, you are in the transfer portal from Michigan State right now. Holy shit. Uh, like, we yeah. can't list them all. Now, what I, I'll, I'll really quick, like, Edge Jacoby Windham, tight end Malik Carr, Malik the Freak. That's a big one. They're, they're, I mean, quarterbacks, all of them. Noah Kim, Caton Hauser, and Sam Levitt. Sam Levitt, we know he's the only one that's portaled out. He's, he's going uh, to Arizona State. That's kind of interesting, but... The one thing I would say is this a is of, a lot of smoke about Noah Kim to Coastal Carolina. I don't think that's official yet. But. Okay, but rumors that are out there. I will say this: like, unless my unless my quick uh, take on this is wrong, this is our only new coach in these fourteen teams, right? It's the it's the only coaching change we've had this year, right? When you if you factor in David Braun is staying at Northwestern, he officially got hired, but he was already there last season, right? Well, no, Indiana. Oh shoot, Indiana too. Okay, my bad. Point I'm trying already, to make. The coaches has already slipped my mind what his right. name is, but the J- the James Madison guy who came over to Indiana. Yep. Point I'm trying to make is this: it's it's to be expected to have a crap load of dudes in the transfer portal when you have a coaching change. It's a hard restart, right? Whenever this happens, so even though there is a boatload of guys in the transfer portal for Michigan State. I don't really look at that as a horrible take on Michigan State. It's just the reality of what college football is. Most teams are going to have that situation unless there is some form of just like seamless transition, like a guy that's already on staff. Most of the time, this is what you're going to have. It is it is what it is at Michigan State. It's more about what they start getting in and what they have on the roster by the time fall camp starts. So that's yeah, the, it's, the it's, And it's both ways. It's players not wanting to play for a new it's a new coach coming in and saying, yeah, you know what to do. Yep. And that, this is a situation where the TP can benefit both sides. So, Malik Carr, I will be very interested to see where he goes. That guy is is, is good, okay? Uh, maybe needs to focus and you know, focus down on the sport of college football than other you know extracurricular activities from what I can gather. But if he can, that guy is good. Now, the biggest thing that Michigan State got in, we haven't really talked about this, Defensive coordinator Joe Rossi, and just conveniently, next up will be the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That was a that was a splashy hire uh, that we got a couple days ago. Yeah, me and Joe Rossi still kind of have a love hate relationship. You know, I I seem to ride him a little early on, and then he burned me a few times, <laughs> and I don't know how I feel. He, he's a good defensive coordinator. You know that that's a good get for Michigan State. No questions asked. Interested to you know. The Minnesota defense kind of fell at the year. Just it raises a few questions, but I still think it's a good get, no matter what. It's just it's interesting, no doubt. Yes, yeah. Like Joe Rossi was starting to get in the upper one third, if not one quarter, of defensive coordinators in the Big Ten. Took a step back this past year, but I would still put him in the top half. So if you can get a defensive coordinator that's in the top half of the Big Ten with Big Ten experience in as your first as your first defensive coordinator on the job for Michigan State this year. That's a big that's a big deal right there. And then transitioning into Minnesota, you know, I'm not saying the the walls are coming down, you know, in Dinky Town, but this is one of the first times cuz the funny thing is 
in my opinion, it's not so much Iowa fans. It's Nebraska, especially in Wisconsin fans that love poking and needling Minnesota fans and, and, you know, and, and um, PJ Fleck. And I haven't really bought into a ton of it. This is one of the first times where I'm like, okay, this, there's some things going on here, you know, like Joe Rossi leaving. That's like a, that's like a PJ guy. The offensive coordinators are new. PJ's got to, he's got to, he's got to cinch it up. You know, he's got to, he's got to kind of get this thing under control. Cause you know, there's some stuff, there's some, there's some movement here that isn't positive. Yeah. And this upcoming season will be massive for him. With all of these changes happening this off season, players moving and now coaches moving. If you come into the following season and you let it have a stinker, it yep. gets hot in Dinky Town quick. So. I agree. Uh, Ethan Kalik Manis gone. I'm gonna miss saying his name. Uh, I love, I love it. I got his name down. I'm proud of it. So I hope he stays in the Big Ten. He might. There's some people that think he might go to Piscataway. Yeah, I'm that doesn't that. make any sense. Doesn't to me make at a all, ton of, but... doesn't make a ton of sense to me either. Yeah, I agree. I I would take Evan Wimsett yes. over, over. I'll say this. I don't know who's better, Ethan or or or. Um, uh, Gavin Wimsett. I just don't think there's a big enough gap between the two of them that you would piss off Wimsett to, to take on Ethan. I, I I think Wimsett fits more into what Rutgers wants to and needs to do versus what Ethan is. So I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. Um, third string quarterback Drew Viato was one of the first ones that he's already at Eastern Michigan. That's interesting. So Viato, third stringer, already found a spot, but the starter has not. Just saying, that's interesting. <laughs> He's got bigger eyes for what it seems like. Yeah, that could be. That's obviously plays. And, and I mean, Viado's from Wald Lake, which is only like 25 minutes from Ypsilanti. So he's from the area. So, And then Zach Evans, running back, talented dude. Uh, so we will see where he portals out of. Somebody's yeah, going like to have options. He's going to have options. I, I tell you, one of the dirtiest secrets is just get yourself a Minnesota running back out of the portal. They've done well in other spots. Check out Eugene, Oregon, if you want to uh, uh, see that. Now, I will say this to go back on the positive train. For uh, the Gophers and PJ, Max, quarterback Max Brosmer. He's from New Hampshire Wildcats. They got a defensive lineman. They got a cornerback. They got a running back, supposedly, I think, from Indiana. I think that's official. So PJ has gotten active to get guys in. So you got to give him credit for that, too. Yeah, if you lose guys out, you got to be more aggressive giving them in. I mean, it's just it's the way of college football nowadays. It's really going to come down to, for them, who is the quarterback that's going to take the reins? Is it Brosmer? Who is it? And then you, you got to have a good defensive coordinator hire. Those things are both, both very reachable, I want to say, for Minnesota, but they're also very important. All right. Yep. Next game up, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. What's that? You haven't heard the story of Husker off-seasons? Well, pull up an iceberg and take a listen. Did you get that reference? That was from yeah. that? That's that's the about that's the snowman from uh beginning of of Rudolph. That that's uh yep. Oh crap! What what's the? Oh my gosh! I'm having a brain fart. Who's who's the singer that does all this? Uh, Burl Ives. That's Burl Ives' voice. You know, yes. at the beginning, he's the snowman. Anyways, okay. So what are we getting at here? As far as the transfer portal, it has been almost non-existent. Out the only one we've seen is quarterback Jeff Sims, which I don't think any Nebraska fans are are batting an eye at. We all kind of knew Jeff Sims would portal out. He got rumored to Miami, but he's he's still in the portal. Interesting to see where he goes. Two things I would say is maybe Jeff Sims just needs to be at a group of five or Big 12 or ACC where they don't play quite as much aggressive defense. Okay. I think that's part of the reason why Jeff Sims had some issues 
and and then maybe a different position man the guy's a great athlete i don't think he's playing quarterback at the next level i don't know it'll be interesting to see how that those two things play out but what yeah what, very interesting to see where he lands yep yep and if he lands at quarterback how many interceptions and you know turnovers he has the next place that he's at now the fun stuff with nebraska crazy i know i know you folks are going to it's going to blow your mind but like nebraska twitter has been a fire with with happenings that have that have gone down in the offseason it many believed it was the earliest offseason national championship for nebraska but it's been a roller coaster a little bit so essentially at the exact same time we had news that ohio state quarterback kyle mccord we haven't got to ohio state yet and ohio state wide receiver julian fleming both five-star guys when they you know came out of high school were portaling into nebraska still to now they are listed kyle mccord is listed as the landing spot that nebraska is listed as the landing spot for kyle mccord but this is this is recent this is just in the last couple hours no that's not the case it it has cooled so Fleming is out. Dude, they they were talking about um running back Tre- Trevor Etienne, Travis's younger brother, portling like it was it was like all of these guys coming in, right? But at the same time, we were also hearing that five-star current senior in high school quarterback Dylan Rayola is transferring in. And I got to tell you, I'm busy at work and I just was like I I saw some Iowa fans like go into the fray and it just never made sense to me, Jordan, like we're going to bring in two ego-driven ego quarterbacks at the same time, two five-star quarterbacks who who will immediately be in competition. It, it's not like McCord's a super senior here. He, he's got a couple years. No, he's got a couple left. Okay. Dylan Rayola is a five-star. I, I, rumors are that he doesn't want to be at Georgia anymore because he felt that there was going to be competition there. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like I know Nebraska has a lot of NIL money, but other teams have cash to throw at these guys too. I'll, I'll step aside now. What's what was your thoughts on that and how this has apparently gone down? Well, the the Rayola thing, obviously, there's a family ties to Nebraska. His his uncle is a coach, is you know, so there's there's the family ties there. So I understand why that's the fallback from Georgia. And I think Carson Beck is supposedly coming back to Georgia. So now it's you got Beck is going to be theirs. So I don't know. These yep. these freshman quarterbacks all want to come in and start day one, and I think they really need to take a step back and look in the mirror. And realize that not everybody's Trevor Lawrence and not everybody's Tua Tungavailoa. They don't just walk in and become stars. Some of these kids need to grow. The whole McCord situation to me is wild because the reasons he left Ohio State, there's all kinds of rumors out there that daddy got involved. It wasn't good. And now there's well, Nebraska's a good fit with him and Fleming. You get good weapons. And now the Rayola thing, daddy got involved again. And I've seen some things saying maybe he's going to Syracuse now. Yep. And it's like, yep. what? Yeah. Like, oh my, it, it's, it, it is a typical Nebraska off season <laughs> if I've ever seen one. And I'm sure a big chunk of that is true with the dad. I, I don't, I don't discount all of that. It just, it was just a lot to take in. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was Monday was when, I mean, Twitter, Nebraska Twitter was just on fire. It was like one of their greatest days of their life, you know, as far as like the Twitter area of Nebraska football, it's cool now. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of joke tweets out there. Like I'm prepared to get hurt again, you know, and you see a lot of them from Nebraska fans. I want to put that out there as well. So I, I'm just going to go under the assumption that McCord 
and Julian Fleming are out. Dylan Rayola, I believe, is in, by the way. I think that's the way to go anyways. I, I If I'm a Nebraska fan, I, if I have the choice between McCord and Dylan Rayola, I'm, I'm taking Rayola. Now, there's more question marks as there always would be with any quarterback that's coming in from high school. You really don't know how these guys are going to be until the bullets start flying. But from everything I've heard, he's a heck of a talent, and I, I think he's going to be their quarterback moving forward. I mean, that just seems like it would be the case. Um, or, <laughs> again, this is... Uh, yeah, the big the big question with Raiola is all this drama going on. Does he, after one year, have a good year at Nebraska and then look to bounce again and go somewhere else, move up the chain a little bit? So that's, that's the risk you run with that, but... I would say... That possibility is always there, but it's lessened when you have dad as a Nebraska legend and uncle as the O-line coach. So, like, I would think if Dylan Rayola is good or excellent or whatever, I would think he would stay at Nebraska. I guess you just you just never really know. Uh, but last right. thing, we, we've we only talked about two quarterbacks. We got another one to throw in. Casey Thompson is, a, is, again, hot off the presses. I don't think this is confirmed yet maybe it will be tomorrow thursday by the time this is released but sounds like casey thompson is in off of a knee injury he was throwing to nebraska players today but wouldn't he want to be the starter as as well there's again it it right put your hands up it just doesn't make a, a ton of sense but we'll see we'll see how that works it's fun it's always fun like nebraska Link, lincoln's fans, not going to be a quiet place for the never next is weeks. never is and then the last one, th- these are more rumors, but tight end Thomas Fedoni, an- another four or five star recruit, has pulled all of the Nebraska and Cornhusker logos off of his social media pages and has gone radio silent. Nothing official here. He's not officially in the transfer portal. Um, there was some con- there was some tense moments between Thomas Fedoni and Nebraska fans. This year, as they were challenging him in at the beginning of the year, I didn't hear that as the year went on. Who knows? We don't know. I'm just reporting what has been shown to me. I will say if he does go in the TP, we'll take him at Michigan. I would think a lot of teams would take Thomas Fedoni. I mean, if he stays healthy, which not, you know, he did last year. He he's a big, tall athletic target. Next team up, uh, the other NU Northwestern Wildcats. Nothing. There is there is nothing to report here. There's two or three guys that are in that. Yeah, so one think. offensive lineman of name, and yep. it was like that's about it. This is Northwestern. This is what they do. They they make very few moves, and they just it's not an easy school to get into. It, so it when kids not. get into there, they don't want to leave. So. Correct. And let's be honest, most of these guys on their roster are going to go professional in another walk of of life. If you if you graduate from Northwestern, having played four or five years on the football team, <laughs> you're probably going to do well in life so guys want to stay and like you said it's hard to get in so that's that next team up got some action here the ohio state buckeyes a lot of guys out Kyle mccord julian fleming we already talked running backs chip Trainum, evan Pryor, edge amari abor jair brown cornerback i this will be interesting because it's you know it's harder for you to probably give a, a more honest take on this and i have checked with mr ohio i do tend to believe that a lot of these guys weren't exactly welcome back with open arms, shall we say. I believe this is a bit of ruthlessness from Day on trying to shape this roster into the best roster it can be. 
I, I'm not saying all of these guys are nothing burgers, especially Evan Pryor. Like I really saw some talent with with that guy, but at the same time, I don't think these are guys that that they were begging to keep on the roster either. Yeah, I think the running backs to me are the ones that would be the most concerning, and that's really only if Travion leaves, like we would anticipate. There's rumors that they're trying to keep him around because if you lose Travion, then you lose him, Maya Williams, Trey and prior that leaves you running back room really really thin and you're gonna have to go out and find some new bodies there so that if i was an ohio state fan would be the most concerning i mean julian Fleming's a good player but let's be honest they got five more five stars waiting at wide receiver so that one wouldn't hurt me too terribly bad obviously we know the buckeye fans feelings about kyle mccord yeah so and i they and I wonder if Buckeye fans' feelings with Kyle McCord had something to do with Kyle McCord getting into the transfer portal, which kind of plays into the next thing you throw out there is, who's going to be the, the next quarterback at Ohio State? It's going to be Devin Brown for the bowl game. Is that who they want? I, my sense is that they, they don't, that they want a different quarterback in. It doesn't seem to be an especially amazing portal quarterback class right now. The last couple of years, we've seen huge names get in. I don't know. We'll see any names that you want to throw out there for quarterback that you've seen portaling in to Ohio State. I have seen a lot of different names thrown out there, but I don't know that any of them have a whole lot of weight to them. We know the Cam Ward thing from Washington State. That was one name that was hot off the presses. Dante Moore from UCLA is talked about, but it sounds like that's more of an Oregon-Michigan thing. I don't know if there's like – if you're Ohio State and you look at the pool of quarterbacks and you say, is there really anybody there – that I think is head and shoulders better than what Devin Brown can be or Lincoln Kyle. Is there anybody that is for sure better than one of those two? And I don't know if you can say yes to that. And if that's the case, why would you do it? Why not take what Ryan Day develops quarterbacks and he has an eye for quarterbacks. You have to trust that and take what you what he knows there. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe some more names come out as the rest of this bowl season goes. There's still time. That's but. true. That is true. That's a great point. We Some guys might want to still play in the bowl and things like that. So that that's a great point, too. Uh, and then the last thing is Marvin Harrison. Um, I still haven't heard him. I mean, just, just can't. portaling to the NFL. I mean, I, I can't believe it hasn't been announced yet. I'd be shocked if he plays in the bowl game. But as we record Wednesday night, it, he's, he's still hanging around. I mean, he doesn't need the money, so I get that aspect. That's of it. true. He wants to come. Cash. Yeah, he wants to come back and and beat Michigan. He's been very vocal about that. I understand it, but at some point, when you're going to be a top five pick, the logical yes. side of you has to step in and say, "I've got to go." Like he's he's a locked top five pick, right? I know. Like, I know. Um, I, and some of these uh, takes I've heard that the cash that he could get staying at Ohio State would be close to what he gets in the first round. B. Yes, the no way the NIL million, has got stop it, stop it. The NIL has gotten out of control, but it's not that stupid. All right, three teams left. Next up, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Basically, here it is: they've lost Chop Robinson to the NFL, and both their coordinators. That's that's how things have rolled. Hardly anybody else has left Penn State's roster. It, it is the same roster, but but sans coordinators. Now, the first one. Uh, that we would talk about because I don't think we talked about it before, but offensive coordinator Mike Yersich is out. Probably an upgrade here. I think Penn State ha- fans have every right in the world to be giddy as a schoolgirl about Andy Kotelnicki in from Kansas. Got to have the right quarterback for his system, but boy, does that dude move the ball and put points on the board. Yeah, didn't he get offensive coordinator here? Wasn't that? 
in that award I, or something like that? Yes, I believe I believe you are correct. He might have won the And it was like right after that that it was announced. So, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, Penn State fans were obviously upset with, with Yurisich after the Ohio State-Michigan games, the performances that their offense had there. So, you'll, I don't think you'll find a single one complaining. A little bit on the opposite side of Manny Diaz. I think they were a little disappointed to see him go. But, you know, at the same time, they understand when you have a guy that's successful and good, other teams want him, so they get it. So uh, Manny Diaz, we don't have a defensive coordinator yet. They're going to get a good one. Okay. That, that, that defensive coordinator is going to have a lot of talent to, to play with on that roster. So I'm not really concerned about that. Just, a, just a hot take since he's a grown man and he doesn't care what I say. I just don't think Manny Diaz is a head coach. I, I, I just think the guy's wired to be a defensive coordinator. Kind of falls right into the Scott Frost book. if you ask me, yes, he is the defensive. Oh man, that was great. Good job. Jared. He is the defensive version of Scott Frost. That's, that's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Moving on to the Purdue Boilermakers. They are quietly not quiet. Shout out to Big Time Boiler. He's given me a lot of information. So here's here's the deal. There's a decent amount of guys that are in the transfer portal. What's interesting is that it's their top three pass catchers, wide receivers from last year. Deion Burks, uh, Abdul Ramin Yassin, and TJ Sheffield. They're one, two, and three for catches on the roster. They're they're all in the portal. So I, I'm a, I'm gonna give uh, Big Time Boiler credit. He like uh um ARY. Really didn't stay healthy. A a bunch struggled with stuff. So like I, if I'd say this, if Ary was your only portal loss, it's kind of a nothing burger. It's just when you put it together with all the other pass catchers. TJ Sheffield, not great, but I believe he's a guy you like on your your roster. Um, but then Dion Burks, I think I, I think I kind of just disagree <laughs> with Big Time Boiler as much as I like the dude. This is a big loss. He is an extremely talented dude. I will be, it will be very exciting to see what he does at Oklahoma. Well, and like we, we mentioned earlier, 24 seven sports transfer portal rankings. When he came out of high school, he was rated as an 88 and a three star transferring now to Oklahoma. He is a four star and a 92. So recruiting buffs, a four, four point jump in your recruiting ranking is that's substantial that's a, that's a so that's a the yep. experts when it comes to talent ranking they agree that this is this is a big get for oklahoma and a big yep. loss for purdue i i think so now with that being said uh basically a big time boiler is one of their <clears throat> best wide receivers uh jamal sorry jamal adreen all right he's he's the guy that's already on the roster that they think and they are looking at other guys in the transfer portal right now ucla wide receiver cam brown um Jamal Banks in from Wake Forest they're looking at Reggie Love I think Walters will be active in the transfer portal it'll be interesting to see who Purdue brings in uh I, I lied to you we actually have two teams left now next team up the Rutgers Scarlet Knights here's the best take on Rutgers hardly anybody's left that is what has been so from from what my guy Aaron Brightman has said is essentially what the NIL did for them is to keep guys in Piscataway, who our guy, the fun guy, Kyle Manun guy, Aaron Lewis, sticking around for another year. Linebackers Mo Toure and Tyreen Powell, left tackle Holland Pierce, wide receiver Christian Dremel. These are names we mentioned a lot this season on the podcast. They're all coming back. Huge, huge win for for Shiano and Rutgers fans. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it right there. That's huge for them. I think Lewis, Toure, and Powell. That's Huge. massive. That massive. keeps that defense that was very, very good. You keep the core 
the strength act that's big. The defense will be good next year if they can tweak a few things with the offense to get that going. That that's Rutgers is going to be a formidable team next year, and I, I got my eyes on them in the bowl game too. Last team alphabetically, Wisconsin out. Just kind of re- uh, uh, recent here, linebacker Jordan Turner. Uh, not sure if he was 100% fit on what the new defensive coordinator wants to do. That's kind of the take. Outside of that, another trio of wide receivers gone. Chimray DK, Keontes Lewis, Skylar Bell. All of these guys were highly regarded by Wisconsin fans and the Wisco bros going into the season. Something was off, right? It, there just weren't things jiving. I do not know. I would be curious to know if Phil Longo was thinking that the wide receivers were more the issue here. We did make comments this year, Jordan, that it didn't seem like the wide receivers were exactly catching the ball and making plays. So maybe this is the aftermath of what you're seeing with these guys being in the portal. Yeah, I think this might be a little bit of a nudge-nudge situation. Like, man, we think we're going to go hunting elsewhere. This just doesn't quite to, doesn't seem to quite be the fit that we hoped it would be. So we'll see what Wisconsin does for bringing uh, guys in for wide receivers. You would think they would. One guy that they did bring in is quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah, just kind of gives you the the big meh, right? Shrug a little bit. Like, I, I don't dislike the guy, but hasn't exactly been a – you know, the, the a stalwart at the uh, last couple of years for college football. But we'll see. We'll see if he's in. The he had a, yeah, he had a very embattled career down at Miami. When his good year, when he was with when Rhett, when Rhett Lashley was there, yes, obviously a very similar style offense. So there you go. Wisconsin wants to run, so maybe that helps him. But he also couldn't stay healthy. He he seemed to get banged up quite a bit. So I mean, we'll see. Yep. Longo runs a very similar style to that. I mean, was talked about as a potential first round pick after that Rhett Lashley offense, and then it just kind of fell apart from there. So we'll there's see. talent in there. We'll see if it fits. We'll see if it's healthy and it fits. That's that's where it goes. So there you go. That is it. That is all 14 teams. Uh, last thing I'd bring up, just because you jogged my memory, and I appreciate it, uh, Phil Parker won the Broyles Award. You you actually have been cool about it. Like uh, you, you agree. I mean, I know you, Sharon Moore was in there, but it's I, I think universally – it seems like people that actually have a brain and follow the the sport and the league were pretty happy with Phil Parker winning the winning the Bros Award. The question I have is: Was Phil Parker happy to be there because he just looked like he was miserable? <laughs> the only thing that guy likes to be at is in the film room. He is just he's like, can you just mail me the award and I'll wave and say thank you because that would I think that's way more what he. <laughs> Um, the funniest thing is, is he threw shade at offensive coordinators during his speech. He said, he's like, Hey guys, what's it like on fourth down when you can just give up and punt? I don't get that option as a defensive coordinator. I have to, I have to stay out there and play. What, what, what's it like being able to just give up? So that was fantastic. the shot. That was good. And you gotta love the fact that he's the only defensive coordinator in the room with four other offensive coordinators. If we needed any more proof that the people that follow and, and, you know, pretend to love the sport care about offense 100% more than they do defense that, that that's, that's another sign right there. But, you know, I should also say shout out to, to, to giving Phil Parker the award. It was much appreciated a bit of a lifetime achievement award for sure, but I don't think that's a slight against Phil Parker. That's, that's him sticking in there for a long time and finally getting reward for it. No, I think it was, it was deserving. I mean, we talked about it. I have no quarrel with it. I think I said, if it wasn't Sharon Moore, it needed to be Phil Parker. For sure. For sure. 
Well, there you go, buddy. That's it. I, I, I think we've, we've covered everything that we can cover for now, even though what we covered at least one or two talking points will be old by the time we finish the podcast. Yeah, by the time you hear this, it's probably all wrong. But you know yeah. what? The hell with it. We did it anyways, and we're going with it. All right, man. You got anything else you want to add? No, I think I think I'm good. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thanks for listening. If I forget to say it, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we will talk to you soon.